Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome back to the latest edition of the SportsMediaWatch.com podcast. I am merely the somewhat capable, about-to-be transatlantic host of the program, TJ Reeves. He is the owner, the operator, the purveyor of SportsMediaWatch.com. Hello again, Dr. John Lewis. Good to be back with you with the World Series concluded, with a NASCAR season concluded, an MLS season concluded, with college basketball about to start up in the midst of college football, the NFL, and everything else that's happening, the NBA, the NHL, all of it. And we're ready to delve into the sports media. How are you feeling for another week as we roll out another podcast? Uh, I, I mean, I feel better than the Democrats are going to feel at the end of the night. <laughs> At the time, we should say this, at the time that we are recording the podcast, uh, Election Day is winding down, at least in the intro, Eastern and Central time zones where John and I are. It will go on for a while in the Mountain and Western time zones. We don't know all the results. I'll just put it to you uh, this way. Um, with most of the precincts reporting, we're going to stay away mostly from politics on this show. How about that? Uh, and talk mainly sports and sports media. It is interesting that Herschel Walker... If you're a sports fan, obviously a, a, a legend of Georgia football, Heisman Trophy winner, national championship uh, winning Georgia football player, later trailblazer of leading players to the United States Football League in terms of one of the most one-sided trades in the history of the sports involves yeah. Herschel Walker and John Lewis. We have lived long enough that depending on what happens here, Herschel Walker may about to be a United States senator out of Georgia. Welcome to sports. And it wouldn't be the first time that someone involved in sports, male, female, whatever, prominent sports ends up going to Congress or going to the Senate, et cetera. 
Yeah, you know, there's uh, quite a few. J.C. Watts, right? So yes. Oklahoma, he's endorsing the Democrat in Oklahoma, which is yeah, technically a Democrat. He was right uh, before, but still, that's notable. I there was him. a lot of talk that J.C. might try to run to be a senator from Oklahoma. He was a congressman at one point mm -hmm. as a Republican. Uh, do you want to digress and have a quick J.C. Watts story from Barry yeah, Switzer, an all-time classic one for sports media? So we'll tie it to sports media in that I got to work with Barry Switzer in the mid-2000s for college football coverage for SiriusXM. Became very good friends with him. By the way, last month, Barry Switzer turned 85 years old. Happy birthday, coach. Um, Switzer, one of, I believe he was the he was the second behind Jimmy Johnson, and there may have been a couple of others now with Pete Carroll uh, to win a college national title and then a Super Bowl title. Jimmy Johnson did it, Barry Switzer did it, Pete Carroll did it, and there may have been another one. Somebody help us out. Uh, email John and yell at yell at me by by emailing John if I've left somebody out. Anyway, Switzer and I worked together for Sirius XM Radio's college football coverage. Had a great time. He told me the story of recruiting J.C. Watts uh, back in the 1970s, who became his option quarterback and really helped Barry Switzer to one of those national titles and prominence in the late 1970s. As the story goes, uh, J.C. from a small town in Oklahoma, don't remember the town, it's not, it's not essential to the story. But the word got out in the small town that Barry Switzer was coming to recruit J.C. Watts for a home visit. He was coming to the town, the coach of the powerful Oklahoma Sooners. Uh, that had the Selman brothers at that time and and others. And so as J.C. told the story, because I was in a studio in Washington, D.C., a radio studio, while J.C. is telling this story about Barry Switzer. They're both telling the story. But J.C. is telling the story that he had a job in high school in addition to being a high school football player and a high school quarterback. Um, and, and so he was working, I believe, at a factory. And the boss even found out, Barry Switzer's coming to town. You're going to get the day off. And uh, he said, really? He said, yes, you're going to get the day off. Go get ready to meet Coach Switzer and get ready to see if you're going to play football at Oklahoma. So J.C.'s all excited. And as Barry Switzer told the story, yeah, we had to we had to line up, uh, you know, coming to him on a recruiting trip. He, had, he named his assistant that was with him. We drove there from Norman to where he is. Uh, we got there. So J.C. now picks up the story and says, when I got home from school, not having to go to work, he goes, I got in the driveway and I could smell pinto beans. And he said, I started to almost cry. And, and I, I said, why? And he said, because I'm now so scared that Barry Switzer might think that my, my mother making pinto beans would stink and would be awful and it would be a negative thing. He wouldn't like them. And now I wouldn't get a scholarship to Oklahoma. And I'm, I'm, I'm inside arguing with my mother. You can't serve Coach Switzer pinto beans. And he says, I still remember my mother with her finger right in my face saying, if he won't eat my pinto beans, you're not going to Oklahoma. Well, now JC's horrified. He goes to his room almost and starts to cry that this is going to ruin his chance to be the Oklahoma quarterback because of pinto beans. So Switzer said, one of the things that I learned as a recruiting tactic is find out what the family's like, find out what they like to drink, what they like to eat, what they like to do, and you like it. You automatically like what they like. And he goes, I, I didn't have anything against pinto beans. He goes, but sure enough, we pulled up to this house and you could smell everywhere these what smelled like pinto beans, some kind of recipe or pinto beans. So he says, I hit my assistant and I said, we are eating the pinto beans. We're complimenting the pinto beans. We got to win mama over to get JC to come to Oklahoma. 
He said, we come in the door and JC, JC said, I'm, I'm quivering. I'm shaking because it's Barry Switzer in my house, my tiny little house. And I'm scared to death that he's going to be upset about the pinto beans. He says, Mrs. Watts, it is a pleasure to meet you. And she says, Coach Switzer, nice to meet you. He says, JC, I'm excited to be here. And JC said, it's nice to see you, Coach. He's kind of quivering with his voice as JC told the story. And Barry says, right after that, I said, Mrs. Watts, before we do anything else, I smelled those pinto beans outside. Can we have some of those pinto beans right now? And she's, he said her smile got as big as the sun. And JC said, I looked at my mother, I looked at Barry Switzer, and I said, I'm going to play quarterback at Oklahoma now. I have the blessing from the Pinto Beans and from Barry Switzer. And now you bring up JC Watts 15 years later. You jogged me on that story. I don't know that I've told that story in 15 years, but I just told it on the sportsmediawatch.com podcast. Pinto Beans helped get him to Oklahoma and eventually to Congress. Eventually yeah. along the way to Congress. How about that? Yeah, wasn't he in the Bush administration for a few minutes? I think I think so, too. He was very prominent in Oklahoma politics. Again, I think there was a push for him to maybe try to be a senator himself. And there have been other – there have been. I mean, Tommy Tuberville, the Auburn coach, United yeah, States senator. It's amazing. Jim – you remember Jim Bunting, the baseball pitcher in, in Congress? Wasn't it Bunning? Or Bunning not- or Bunting? Bunning? Maybe Bunning. Yeah. Bunting is what you do to the ball. But in any event – uh, exercise your right to vote if there's any time left. If you're hearing uh, us on Wednesday, it's all over but the screaming and the shouting. Heath something. Heath, Heath Schuler. Yeah, Heath Schuler. Yeah. Heath Schuler, Congressman, uh, as well. Bill Bradley, uh, of course, was the most successful of all of them. Yes. Ran was- for president, ran for the Democratic nomination for president. As He's I left outstanding. And, you know, uh, I mean, who knows how that would have gone? He probably wasn't going to win, you know, but uh, he was he was the McCain of that race. He and McCain were the last two. All right. So there's the talk about all of the uh, the, the famous uh, people running for office, et cetera. We have uh, all kinds of craziness. By the way, thank you for finding us. However you've done so, social media link, sportsmediawatch.com, uh, website. Um, make sure you're following or subscribing, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, et cetera. Uh, We thank you for all of you finding us as the podcast continues to grow. The podcast feed continues to grow. By the way, with the college basketball season starting, uh, George Offman's Tell Me a Story I Don't Know features the Oklahoma basketball coach, the former Loyola Chicago basketball coach, Porter Moser, who led the Loyola Chicago Ramblers to the Final Four back, uh, what, four seasons ago, four or five seasons ago. He's now the Oklahoma coach. It's a fascinating story about growing up in and around Chicago, Growing up in and around Chicago sports and his heroes in and around Chicago sports in the uh, in the eighties, the nineties, et cetera, and uh, and now being the Oklahoma basketball coach, hear that, and also Mike Gill and Phil Demont Mullen. I'm not sure if Mike Gill has gotten over uh, the crushing blow that the Houston Astros put on the Philadelphia Phillies, yanking the rug right out from under him in the World Series to win it in uh, six games in Houston. But Mike and Phil do a great job with everything with announcer schedules, so we look forward to hearing more from them on this feed we're ready to get into the subject matter by the way i did not get your official review of my barry switzer jc watch story on a scale of one to ten one being the worst story the lamest story you ever heard ten being phenomenal top notch you'll retell it yourself you would give it the number of um don't be too tough i'll go with a seven 
A seven. Okay, I'll take a solid seven uh, here with you on that. And Pinto Beans will live forever as part of that story. Uh, Okay, so speaking of the Astros and the World Series win, let's dive in. I'm curious how it did overall in the ratings. We had a lot of speculation about that last week because they had not yet begun to play the games in Philadelphia. Follow up and finish up for us, John. Well, you know, that decision by baseball to push the whole series back a day really hurt. Because, you know, you couldn't do anything about the Thursday game five. That was going to have to happen. But the Saturday game six didn't have to happen. That could have been on Friday. And the Saturday game six is why it ended up being lower than last year. It was the least watched game six of the World Series ever, even below the Rays Dodgers neutral site two years ago. Because remember, that was on a Tuesday. So even in 2020, a 2020 Tuesday is still better than a 2022 Saturday, right? Mm. And, uh, you know, Saturday is the least watched night of the week. And this was unusually tough college football competition uh, from Alabama LSU, which uh, did great. 7.6 million viewers. Uh, Obviously, the World Series beat that at 12.5 million or 12.6. But you're talking about a very, very tough competition that that no doubt took uh, some audience away. Maybe that would have been 14 million without it. But as it is, 12.6 million, least watched game six on record. And, uh, you know, um, ended up uh, taking the series below last year by about 1%. So it's the second least watched World Series of all time ahead of only Rays Dodgers neutral site in 20. Yeah, the crazy year. And you've done a great job, including last week, explaining the perspective you have to keep on the ratings. It's still got to be a bit of a disappointment. I'm curious because when we put the podcast out last week, we didn't know how it would go with the Eagles Houston Texans game NFL on Amazon prime playing at the same time in a wild twist as the Phillies and the Astros who could have foreseen it, but that's exactly what happened. Uh, The only thing that would have been crazier is if the games were in the same city at the same time. But the football game was in Houston while the baseball game was in Philadelphia game five. How did it end up? I did see the World Series did end up overall winning out. How did it end up as well in the in the local markets or what do you have there for the data? Well, local market data is very limited. Uh, uh, We don't have any local ratings for the Amazon broadcast and for the Amazon broadcast so far, we're only getting the numbers for the over the year simulcasts. That's it. So we don't obviously the World Series won locally but we don't know really what the margin was and so it's kind of hard to make any good comparison i thought i saw somewhere where in philadelphia the world series got like a 25 or something like that and the football game got like a 10 i want to just say so it was like two to one or two and a half to one in philadelphia uh that the world series won i don't know the houston number there but i just thought i would throw that in there while we're having our discussion well, maybe Iran or or someone like mm-hmm. that put something out, but I I haven't. All I've seen is a local number just for the uh, just for the over the year simulcast. Okay. So you know, who knows? Uh, I, you know, I suspect that the margin was pretty decisive in both markets in favor of the World Series. You know, you only get one World Series every now and again. Uh, there'll be the Phillies and Eagles will keep playing and playing and playing for another several weeks. So certainly in Houston, right? Uh, and remember when that game happened uh, on Thursday, the Phillies, you know, had to feel like they were still in the driver's seat. Uh, right. That series was a late breaking to Houston down the stretch. So, uh, it, you know, Philly, uh, certainly there's a lot of momentum there and the Eagles as good as they are, you know, 
you only get one World Series every now and again. Uh, there for since 2009, and no guarantees that it won't be another 13 years until 2035 when they get back. Indeed, that leads us to the college football that you already referenced. Uh, in addition to the Alabama LSU wild finish won by the Bayou Bengals going for two in overtime on a crazy play. Earlier in the day, the Tennessee-Georgia game also scored exceptionally well. I know CBS was touting that on this election Tuesday. John, fill us in more on how the SEC's two games on CBS in the afternoon and then ESPN Saturday night did in terms of perspective on previous years, this season, et cetera. Well, you know, uh, Tennessee-Georgia, most watched game of the season, uh, you know, most watched game between those teams on record. I had initially reported on the site that it was the most watched regular season game since LSU-Bama in 19, but that was actually my mistake. I forgot about Ohio State-Michigan last year, so it's it's not quite at that level. But it is a season high, 13 million viewers. This is not a matchup prior to the season that anybody would have thought would do that well. And so if you're CBS, it's all gravy. Of course, Tennessee-Georgia being such a big matchup means CBS lost out on Alabama-LSU. And that game did great on ESPN, 7.6 million viewers. The kind of number ESPN used to get semi-frequently for college football. But in recent years, ever since losing the Big Ten rights uh, the way that they did, uh, it has not been quite the same for them. So this was actually their most watched regular season game and the top regular season game on cable overall since Mississippi, Florida state labor day, 2016. So wow. two really strong performances in the numbers for the sec. Uh, and uh, you know, the Tennessee Georgia game was the most watched game of the day. It beat game six of the world series. It didn't go that? head to head. How about that? But, yeah. Very rare for a world series game to not be the highest rated and most watched sporting event of the day that it airs. And the only exceptions are, you know, the NFL, right? not usually college football. So I think that was a really strong number. And we should and game? we should point out I was even texting you and tweeting about this that at the height of the end of the World Series game 6 and the clinching win by the Astros was the overtime of LSU and Alabama and the drama if Alabama takes a second loss it basically knocks them out of the college football playoff. That was unfolding, so it was extra eyeballs time for those that can get the split screens off the laptop, off the TV, two different TV screens, et cetera. It's fascinating that ESPN did that well head-to-head with a baseball game that was, that's your point, was clinching the World Series for the Astros. But at the same time, uh, it tells you that the baseball still held firm enough with yeah. really strong, dramatic competition against it, even though it's college. I get that. I mean, for example, people have educated me, and I think you've probably written about this and talked about it at some point. In the in the West, Los Angeles, San Francisco, Portland, Seattle, Denver, the SEC games don't rate the same way out there. It's more of a professional town for the NFL, Major League Baseball, the NBA. So as much as the Southeast, the East, and the Central Time Zone are watching, we have to keep in perspective there are massive markets in the West where I don't know – ESPN doesn't break it out, right? I don't know that ESPN in Los Angeles or, or San Francisco or Seattle was glued to Alabama LSU versus the World Series. That's just my educated conjecture on that. Any thought on that real quick? Well, you know, uh, it's always very regional, right? Baseball's got a regional audience. College football's got a regional audience. The NBA, the only thing that's got a really national audience is the NFL. And so, you know, you're going to see that kind of variation with those types of sports. I think when all is said and done, you know, 
Houston, you know, Texas was not a big baseball market for a lot of years, right? Uh, and the reality is that the, uh, the 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 Rangers making it a couple of times, they made it. The Astros making it. I'm not necessarily sure Texas is still even a big baseball market. Probably a lot of markets in Texas, you know, uh, Houston being an exception, obviously, would be more interested in in the college football. You know, it is what it is. Um, you know, uh, the reality is baseball is a northeastern sport. Mm-hmm. You, know, you want to have Boston and New York and you know, uh, all of those other types of markets, uh, really the South, the West, you know, not counting LA, not necessarily as great a play for you as New York versus Philly would have been New York, Philly would have been, you know, obviously you would imagine pretty strong. Uh, you mean the Yankees? Yeah. And the, and we had that back in 2009 when the Phillies were there as the defending champs, against the new york yankees so yes it, it definitely changes yes northeast and upper midwest you know northeast illinois ohio you know uh michigan well yeah but the tigers are their only option so you know you got to be realistic right but um <laughs> hey justin verlander was in the world series with the tigers back in 2006 yeah. and let's Let's and hear the only game him. they won, and he was here in a 12 as well. The only game they won out of those two World Series was the one where uh, the guy was cheating with the uh, with his uh, hat. Uh, Kenny Rogers, not yeah, to be Kenny confused Rogers. with the gambler, the singer, or Kenny Rogers, Roaster the Chicken in Seinfeld. Exactly, thing. Yeah. But Kenny Rogers, yes. Uh, but Verlander had not won any World Series starts, had not won a World Series game until this World Series. He finally got yep. one. Indeed. And Don't feel too sorry for him, though. He's made a ton of money. He's won Cy Young Awards. He's married to Kate Upton, has kids. There's a lot going for Justin Verlander. And now he has another World Series ring. Uh, yep. By the way, quick take from you. A lot of venom from Houston. A lot of I told you so. We can do it without cheating. You know, look at us now. Where do you come down on, on that? Uh, where they obviously were cheating prior to a previous World Series win. Right. We don't have to rehash all of that. Where do you come down now on this? Does it somehow lessen it? What would you say in your mind now that Houston wins one when they are allegedly on the up and up winning the World Series against the uh, Phillies? I mean, you know, I'm happy for Dusty Baker. I think everybody is happy for Dusty. I yes. have, you know, I could care less about all the stuff that happened in 2017. I think they were cheating, but I think baseball is rife with cheating always has been uh and uh to me uh nothing they did in 17 was any worse than the yankees getting that home run where the kid reached out and grabbed it you know uh, i don't think i don't think wait wait that's an isolated thing that they had no control over by the way that's a longtime tampa bay resident umpire richie garcia that made the wrong call right there on the right field line. And Richie was a fantastic umpire and a World Series umpire. And he says to this day, I got it wrong uh, that day on the kid reaching over the wall and it should not have been a home run for Derek Jeter. But that's an isolated thing that they had no control over. The the Astros were systematically for an entire season, postseason, and a couple of years probably cheating as an organization. So it doesn't, it, it doesn't to you make up for that some. You don't really care as much about the cheating, I can tell. No, I mean, you know, uh, to me, I, you know, I, I'll be real. I didn't really care about bonds. You know, I didn't really care about steroids. I mean, baseball is not my sport in mm-hmm. that same way. I, do I feel like I would feel more strongly 
about cheating in the NBA. I mean, I don't know. Tim Donaghy was refing games for a whole bunch of years. And I don't really <laughs> even care about that. So, you know, I mean, look, uh, I know why people hate the Astros, but I do feel like sometimes people just enjoy hating for the sake of hating. And that's that, very true. That's very they, true. When people get a target that it is socially acceptable to hate, they they are not necessarily acting out of genuine outrage, but out of the joy of getting to beat somebody up. I mean, let's just be real about that. Oh, agreed. Um, yeah. It's what social media has become. Yeah, yeah. Social media hasn't become share your photos and your stories and your good times. It's how can we pulverize and make fun of and humiliate whomever? Yeah. I agree exactly. with you. It, it turned nasty a decade ago, basically, right. and has continued that way. So agreed. Agreed on that. Okay, so we segue uh, a little bit to the National Football League. And, mm -hmm. uh, man, what a dramatic finish for my Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm part of the radio broadcast. Yeah. The entire country saw it on CBS as Tom Brady's 55th speed limit, 55 comebacks in the fourth quarter or in yeah. overtime to win a game. John, I was right on the goal line for that touchdown that he threw to Kate Otten, the rookie tight end out of the University of Washington. It was incredible. It was incredible. Some of the people had left in the stadium. Yeah. CBS is obviously showing it. Jim Nance erupted. I was around Jim Nance and Tony Romo briefly up in the press box area before the game, et cetera. The entire country, again, saw the game nationally, Buccaneers, Rams on CBS, uh, so that's the way that one ended. You got an overtime finish for Sunday night football with Mike Tirico, Chris Collinsworth, NBC coverage of Kansas City and Tennessee. So you, you certainly had dramatic back to back endings uh, for the ratings there. Any thoughts and any any ratings significance there coming off the NFL? Just real quick. The numbers really weren't that great. Uh, a 10.6 and 20.25 million for the uh, Buccaneers and in Rams, and that's going to be the lowest uh, for that window this season, and also the first in that window to decline from last year, not counting week one, when uh, CBS and Fox uh, cannibalize each other. And then for uh, Tennessee, Kansas City, you know, that was all right, I guess. I mean, a kind of a middling number, but up from last year when it was Titans uh, again and against the Rams. I mean, you know, look, one, eventually when a team is showing that they're not that great and the bucks have not had a good season correct not lakers level or anything but they haven't had a good season and the reality is people might start to not tune in the same way that they would have the rams also not a very good season for the defending champs and so just kind of a middling number I think. and by the way it was not a very good game i mean the game was uh, you know, seven to six, and then the Rams kicked a field goal, and it's 10 to six, and you get into the fourth yeah. quarter, and it's 13 to nine. It was not an yeah. exciting game. It certainly was not as exciting as what LSU and Alabama put out there Saturday night in prime time in terms of back and forth and touchdowns being scored. So I understand that um, as well. And now, by the way, we get ready to head to Munich, Germany. Yeah. All things being equal later in the week, the Buccaneers and Seattle Seahawks, the surprising Seahawks, will play the first ever NFL game in Munich, Germany. I'll be part of the Buccaneer radio broadcast with Gene Deckerhoff and Dave Moore. Steve Vrabel is the longtime uh, radio play-by-play -play voice of the Seattle Seahawks. We'll get to broadcast it. The NFL Network has it yeah. with Rich Eisen. It's going to be a full booth, John Lewis. Rich Eisen, yeah. Kurt Warner, Steve Mariucci, and Michael Irvin will call the game. 
from the Bayern Munich soccer stadium, where we're going to be on the NFL network Sunday morning, nine 30 Eastern time, adjust your time zone accordingly. And the Westwood one live national call is Sparrow Didis and Mike Mayock from Munich, Germany, Sunday morning. So this is, I, I got to tell you, I'm anxious to see what this will be like. I did this three yeah. times previously with the Buccaneers in England. The NFL has done it repeatedly in England every year with the international series. This is the first time ever for a game in Germany. And I'm looking forward to not only seeing what all happens, what's similar, what's different. Um, I'll tell you one striking dif- difference just real quick. When we were in England, uh, they, they started with the um, United States national anthem for the Buccaneers and the New England Patriots, Tom Brady on the other sideline, 2009. And they have this uh, small, curly-haired, booming voice soprano named Catherine Jenkins, I believe I got the name right, uh, belt out God Save the Queen at that time in 2009 with the whole stadium singing God Save the Queen, with it reverberating everywhere. I felt like you could hear it in all of Europe, how loud they were singing it. So then you're standing around going, we're officially not in the United States anymore <laughs> when this is when this is happening prior to the game. So I'll be interested in Germany. Do you have a quick thought on the uh, the interesting oddity here that an NFL game will be played in Munich early Sunday? Well, I think it'll go well in terms of the matchup. Seattle is having a great season. The Bucks could get to 500. They've got Brady. Uh, I think it could be, you know, it's not going to be maybe what uh, Giants Packers got in London earlier in the year on NFL Network. And as a reference, what did that do? Did it have several million, five million? Because, again, it's an early start time for a lot of the country. I thought I thought I remembered maybe it got like six or seven million to watch. It was only five point two million. Okay, but for NFL Network, that was the largest audience that they've ever had for one of those early, uh, early London games. And, you know, I mean, hey, I, I think it's a nice thing. Nine in the morning, watch a game. You know, what else are you going to watch? Sunday countdown? What they know? what they have found, they kind of stumbled into it, is there is an audience there. It's yeah. not the same as later in the day when everybody's more awake, especially in the mountain and Pacific time zones. People just aren't awake, by and large. Now, it's interesting in Seattle, how much will their fan base be awake when the game is on at 6.30 a.m. Yeah. local time? That's a wild disparity that it's on 6.30 in the morning in Seattle. Local time in Munich will be 3.30 in the afternoon, nine hours later for that game. And I'll be interested in, on the soccer pitch. How's the field? Uh, obviously, Bayern Munich uh, is one of the iconic, legendary uh, European soccer clubs. So you would think that whole place is going to be pristine, modernized, yeah. the field, all of it. We'll see. We'll see what all well, of it is like and the culture. And everything yeah, that happens there with it. It will be interesting. You know, they have that 50 plus one system over there. So they don't have any billionaires running things. So it's not, it's not some glistening new stadium. I would imagine that <laughs> I, I don't know what stadium it is. They're not you. It's Bayern Munich soccer stadium. They're not using taxpayer funds to the billions of dollars to build right. stadiums. Like we do in the United States everywhere, every no, which direction. No. They've got that 50 plus one for however much longer they can keep it, but they've got it. That's a good thing to have. Okay, so we move off the football. We talked a lot last week. We don't have to go over everything on the Kyrie Irving situation, but since we left the SportsMediaWatch.com podcast, Irving is now suspended a minimum of five games, maybe longer by the Nets, fined a half a million dollars. Um, It made made an apology online. Um, the coverage has has obviously been ratcheted up. We're kind of coming off the coverage. We're kind of like analyzing it after the fact. John, what what if anything do you want to follow up on about what you've seen or as that moves on? Go ahead, real quick. 
Well, you know, it is a, a very common thing to ignore a problem until it becomes too big and then go over the top to try to cover for the fact that you blew it. Uh, that happened with 9-11. This country was extremely, you know, lackadaisical. Uh, we had a run of, we had like five terrorist attacks in 10 years. First World Trade Center bombing, Olympic Park, Oklahoma City, and uh, USS Cole, if you want to count that as US soil, and then 9-11. And then it was like, oh my goodness. And now we have to take our shoes off at the airport because people are trying to make up for the fact that they blew it for an entire decade leading up to a, a tremendous disaster, right? So a little bit of a strained comparison because this isn't anything to that level. Right. But you know, I, I do find that when people ignore something and it gets worse and it gets worse and it gets worse, then all of a sudden it's like the person who, you know, let something is is eating horribly for years and years and years. And then finally something happens and then they're on like a crash diet. Right. Right. They um, have a health scare. You mean they have a, yeah, exactly. a heart attack, but live. Yes, now you gotta, exactly. now you gotta lose all that weight. Right. Yeah. And you know, it's kind of human nature, but with Kyrie, you know, I, I said last week, you know, anti-Semitism like people are acting as if anti-Semitism is growing, but anti-Semitism has been growing for a while. It's just that a lot of people have been ignoring it. Uh, and it just so happened that Ka that Kanye uh, was kind of a convenient, you know, villain because Kanye is so, you know, obnoxious in so many ways uh, that people who had been completely ignoring this growing problem uh, you know, I mean, let's not pretend the tree of life shooting didn't happen. Uh, you know, I mean, th th this has been going on for a while and people started paying attention to it because someone they already didn't like was engaging it. Kind of the same thing with Kyrie, someone people already didn't like. It was uh, permission to finally start caring about this thing that's been going on for a while. Uh, you know, there is something pretty disingenuous to me about some of the media coverage. I think there's a lot of genuine feeling as well. But I also just feel like, you know, I mean, we didn't have to get to this point, right? You know, but I mean, it, it is what it is. This is just kind of the, the way people deal with problems. All right. Do you believe he's played his last game with the Brooklyn Nets? Some are saying that in the New York media that they read this as he won't be back with them, whether they just release him at some point, whether they trade him, who would take him in a trade. Right. What do you think? Real quick. Ah, uh, boy, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I really don't know. I, I, It's hard to, I mean, the NBA is a weird league. It, I don't think the NBA is any more subject to rational behavior, right? The league is, has fully become a soap opera. And so I, I have no idea. Whatever is the most dramatic possible outcome is probably what will happen. If it's more <laughs> dramatic for Kyrie to never play there again, then he'll never play there again. If it's more dramatic for him to, you know, uh, I don't know. Make a return back, somehow, yeah, right? Exactly. I don't and think then, he's ever back. I'll answer my own question. I don't think they. I don't really? think he'll be back. I think they'll either release him, trade him, cut ties, and say that's it. I mean, you had all the stuff last year with the vaccination. I mean, bear in mind he wasn't able to help him for a lot of last season. Yeah. Because of the vaccination status, 
not able to help them in the home games at least yeah. and adhere to it. I don't know. We'll see. It's just what what uh, sports and takes are all about. You know the thing about Kyrie that interests me the most. I mean, not really much, honestly. I, I'm not gonna, like I said last week. I, I'm not going to call this man stupid. I, I'm not going to disrespect somebody like that, even if I think they're wrong. But you know, Kyrie has been saber rattling for a while. You know what I mean? He's been trying to get people's attention for a while. Saber rattling wasn't the right word. Uh, that's more like what Putin does. But you know what I mean? He's been trying to get people's attention for <laughs> right. a while. Rile people up. I agree. Yeah, exactly. And uh, so when the NBA was going into the bubble. Kyrie was mm-hmm. against him, right? Mm-hmm. And pretty much everybody who's now talking about how terrible Kyrie is, not just for this, but for the vaccine stuff, basically everyone who's been railing against Kyrie the past two years, when Kyrie didn't want to go into the bubble, it was like, Kyrie, he doesn't care about the money. He cares about, you know, what's right and what's real. And, you know, it was so, it's so interesting to contrast, right? Because, I mean, I guess it makes sense that if somebody is saying something you like, they're great. And then when they say something you don't like, they're terrible. But I do think it's very funny because Kyrie hasn't changed at all. What is motivating him now to say the things that he's been saying is the same thing that motivated him to say the things he was saying about vaccines. It's the same thing that motivated him to be against the restart. It's all the same thing. He hasn't changed. It's just that, you know, you didn't realize what he was about. And I did theorize last week, I think it's tough to argue against. He loves to stir it up. He loves mm-hmm. the attention. It's part of who he is and what he does. You just cited example after example where he has been doing that for whatever reason, valid, how valid, whatever it is. We'll see what happens with uh, with Kyrie. Anything else? Just one other thing, too. When Kyrie wanted to leave LeBron, it was, oh, see how bad a teammate LeBron is? Kyrie doesn't want to be there anymore. And, you know, the other funny thing is when Kyrie left Cleveland, I imagine it was probably one of the reasons why LeBron said, I'm leaving. Wow, this team can't even keep Kyrie. I'm going to a much better run franchise, you know, where they have the Rambuses making very important decisions about about who gets <laughs> to play and, you know, the, the, the much better run Lakers. Uh, but anyway... So I think both LeBron's detractors and LeBron himself really blew that situation when Kyrie left. They they didn't realize that it was a Kyrie thing. It had nothing to do with LeBron. It had nothing to do with the Cavs. Everything to do with Kyrie. And LeBron made a really bad decision to leave a much better run franchise for what the Lakers are out there doing. And the, the Cavs are not a well-run franchise, by the way, but they're better run than the Lakers. Well done on that with the comments. Let's spice it up a little bit as we close out the show. Love it or leave it. Subject number one. We mentioned some conclusions at the beginning of the podcast. The NASCAR season concluded on NBC. Joey Logano wins the monster. It's still the monster energy cup, nope, right? No, it is not. It's not it's monster. Not. They didn't they didn't go with anything this year. Shows you what they I haven't know. gone with anything for the last couple of years. Oh, yeah. how about that? So just the uh, NASCAR Cup Series finale <laughs> and championship goes to Joey Logano. Uh, and also the Major League Soccer season ended dramatically yeah. as well this past weekend. Uh, John, give us your thoughts and the and the quick ratings update on those. Well, uh, MLS had its most watched uh, title game in, I believe, 25 years. Mm. Let me make sure I have that exactly correct. It was the most watched since 1997 uh, with uh, 2 million viewers and change. It was uh, 2.16 million. 
I did not think it was going to do nearly as well because it was on a college football Saturday up against Tennessee, Georgia, and Tennessee, Georgia did great. Uh, so that's pretty impressive. I think some of it probably was helped by the lead-in on Fox from yes. TCU, Texas. But realistically, uh, I, I would not have expected uh, an audience like that. How much do you think it helped not only that Fox had the football lead-in, but Fox is the home of the World Cup. Yeah. They they have been promoting heavily through the NFL mm -hmm. and college football World Cup coverage is coming. And so now you just kind of slide that in as an extra thing that, oh, by the way, here's the MLS championship game while we're pumping and promoting that the World Cup's about to be on Fox. Do you do we connect the dots enough there that it helped some a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, uh, there's a lot more attention on soccer. Uh, they, they, like you said, they have the commercials, the John Ham, Kimmy Schmidt commercials that they've been <laughs> running into the ground. And look, uh, I think, yeah, I, I think that could definitely help. Uh, I mean, it's a much larger audience than is normal. I think Philadelphia being a factor in that, mm -hmm. and then the um, the game that aired immediately after the World Series, I think that also helps too. It's not just your lead ins, but your lead outs, right? And when you have Philadelphia. You know, there might have been some extra interest there. So, you know, all in all, a great story for MLS. I didn't think it was even going to beat the NWSL final from the previous week, but it beat that very handily. Uh, there's a big difference between 900,000 viewers and 1.5 million. And, uh, you know, for MLS, uh, I know that unlike most men's and women's sports in terms of the competition, MLS and the w uh, NWSL are pretty close to each other in terms of viewership typically. But uh, MLS clearly still has the much higher ceiling, as we saw over the weekend. Yes, and it's in terms of the NASCAR on the love it or leave it, were the NASCAR fans loving it uh, with the Logano win and the drama? I mean, they have so – can I just give the commentary one more time briefly? They've so twisted around the playoff format over and over again. Yeah. The average sports fan can't understand and keep exactly. up with this, with what they do. But how did it translate, just real quick? Did they have similar audience or a little better? Or, or how did it finish for the race in Phoenix that ended their season? Well, you know, one, I would note, I don't know necessarily. I didn't watch any of the coverage. I imagine the the tragedy in the Gibbs family probably overshadowed a lot of the weekend in mm -hmm. NASCAR. So it was already not necessarily a particularly exciting, you know, matchup of, of drivers. Uh, Joey Logano is... He's well known, but I don't know that he's, uh, you know, I don't know that he, you know, you, you I've never seen him in an ad, although maybe. Right. Like, the Logano ads. Well, you, you're talking about yeah. Logano. Yeah. Well, he's in a famous one, I think, for uh, like advanced auto parts, which, again, it's NASCAR branded sponsor, that kind of thing. But, so but not but not outside of NASCAR telecasts, though. Right. Because I mean, I, I I've not seen Logano outside of NASCAR, except maybe I think NBC, I NBC would run it maybe here and there. And I've seen the ads. I can't say that I've always seen him only on NASCAR. But you're right. He's not. I mean, it's not like you're seeing him on an AT and T commercial, for example, right. or some of the other biggest sponsors, Subway. Yeah, although uh, the Subway ad, the Subway ads did have Megan Rapino in them at one point from the soccer. Um, right. as well as Serena Williams from a different sport from tennis, right. et cetera. But no, that uh, you would be correct on, uh, oh my God. And by the way, the Gibbs tragedy you're mentioning for those that don't know is Corey Gibbs, uh, the son, the co-owner for the team who, um, 
died uh, over the weekend uh, that was announced on Sunday night. So, um, yes, that that cast a pall over everything that went on. Yeah. But Logano is a popular driver within NASCAR. How did bring it back to the ratings? Did the ratings right. do the same? Were they a little better or how did it end up real quick? Um, let me just uh, make sure I have all of my information exactly correct before I say it was 3.2 million last year was 3.1 million. So I'm going to say, oh, no, no, no. Actually, last year was 3.2. I was looking at 2020. So about even, but you have to factor in that last year's numbers are pending the uh, update from Nielsen, right? I don't have the revised figures. So with the revised out of home viewing, this year's audience is probably very slightly below last year because this year is 3.21. Last year is 3.21. Uh, in fact, this year is 3.213. Last year is 3.214. Pending revision, though. So Interesting. with that extra out-of-home viewing, probably more like 3.3 or something. All in all, pretty close to last year. Another decline. Another decline. Uh, nothing and it's playing out on an NFL Sunday, by the way. Yeah. Which is something that a lot is. of people have criticized that right. NASCAR should get away from that and should end their season either, either before the NFL plays, find a way to do it on, a, on an odd day, a different day, yeah. whatever. I mean, this is what they continue to do. And NBC pays them a lot of money in the rights fee, and they want the programming and have it lead into Sunday night football. So, Well, I, don't, I mean, maybe. Maybe that helps NBC. Not since the first year when the, the Homestead ran into Football Night in America has that really been a big factor. I mean, look, you can't do better than NASCAR does on an NFL Sunday. You can't do better than 3.2 million viewers in the afternoon. You can't. There's not another property that NBC can pick up that's going to get that kind of a number. But if NASCAR wants to draw better, that race needs to be on Fox because Obviously, assuming the World Series goes back to its normal schedule where they're only on one weekend, right? I'm assuming next year it'll be a Tuesday or Wednesday start. Then for this past weekend, you have Phoenix, the season finale. Fox had a doubleheader this, this time around, right? So put the Phoenix race on at 8 o'clock. You know, nobody is going to... But the problem crack. practically, to use that word, I used it last week on the show. The problem practically there is Fox can't make the same commitment because of college football, baseball, and the NFL to be showing live NASCAR races on Saturday and Sunday, including the Xfinity series, which is the AAA version of NASCAR. Uh, they can't make that commitment. That's the reason why they've always done the first half, but not yeah. the fall because of what else they have. Right. NBC is more than willing to take that because... Other than Notre Dame football now coming Big Ten, they'll have Big Ten as well. But they don't have baseball. They don't. They don't have NFL football during the day to be able to run races. So, because NASCAR wants to be, you keep saying this. NASCAR wants to be on network TV yeah. as much as possible in yeah. these deals. So there's a certain number of them that have to be on either NBC or Fox as part of the agreement, as part of the leverage that I they think have with that. I think what they are going to need to do in, in terms of if they were to go to Fox in the second half of the season, just time it around the Fox NFL coverage. So if Fox has a single header, the race is on at 425, right? And not necessarily in every market because some markets get the late game. Uh, right. in the NFL. So if you get a late game in the NFL, you get the NASCAR race on FS1. If you get the early game in the NFL, you get the NASCAR race on Fox, right? You know, and ultimately... If you're gonna have, if you're gonna be on during NFL season, you've got to get the NFL lead in. That I mean, you just have to. Uh, that goes for NASCAR. It goes for the NWSL. It goes for 
MLS even, that would have been a good idea to have the MLS Cup on an NFL single header Sunday. I mean, well, maybe not because you can't do the F, the Fox FS1 split with a championship game. But, right. you know, I mean, you 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 got to consider that as an option because you can get much bigger numbers in that post NFL window than you can for any other window during the NFL season, at least on a weekend. All right, good enough uh, on the NASCAR talk. Let's go to one more subject. Love it or leave it. And that is I'm headed to Germany and I'm going to try some different stuff. I am not a kraut guy, uh, although I've had German food. Now, bear in mind, I live in West Central Florida. And again, we have tropical storm, subtropical storm, Nicole coming our way. So there's just certain things you deal with. One of the good things is you have Disney World close by, just like in Southern California, you have Disneyland close by. Well, at Disney World, they have Epcot Center with all the different countries, and you can go eat the food from those countries. So the German beer garden at Epcot Center, my my wife, my twins, my in-laws love that place. So I get to hear about it. I've even eaten over there with them, all the different German foods. I love it or leave it. Uh, John Lewis, with any of the German uh, entrees, dishes, desserts, Anything that strikes you from the German oh, variety? I mean, just sauerkraut. I mean, what Kraut, else? Did they, yeah. what, what else? Is strudel. You got uh, the, the strudel is like the uh, dessert. Uh, schnitzel goes Never with everything. That. Yeah. I mean, you got to you got to look into some of these things. Uh, uh, German sausage uh, that they have and uh, German potatoes. Uh, it's it's just oh. interesting. And I'm not, look, I don't drink alcohol. I'm not a beer guy, but I am told it's off of Oktoberfest here that's just ended that the, I think it's the Hofbrau Beer House is unreal in Munich. And there's going to be a yeah. lot of tourists, Seattle and Buccaneer fans trying to get by there and see it and get the big beer steins and the whole bit. I was just yeah. curious on what about German chocolate cake? Have you had German chocolate cake in no. your life? No, Chocolate no, cake with a German uh, coconut kind of brown frosting. It's actually good. It's I like it. it. So German chocolate cake is another one there. I'll be never partaking. Had, uh, I will report back on the podcast if I try something uh, a little different uh, in Germany for the Buccaneers and the Seahawks and the early start on Sunday as we head over to Munich. The NFL's never played a game. Uh, preseason or regular season in Germany. The NFL Europe did play there. The minor league did play all over Germany. I mean, John, I'm told there are hundreds of thousands of American football fans. There are a bunch of Americans in Germany, but there are hundreds of thousands of American football fans just in Germany, let alone the people that outside the country will try to travel in and come to this game. So it'll be interesting to see how it's received and to see what happens. Anything else in closing before we're done? We've run the gamut with a bunch of different stuff yeah. from the World Series to the NFL to Kyrie Irving to even German food. Anything else? Well, I'm I'm curious what the what there's a better chance of happening: the Democrats keeping the House or the Lakers making the play-in tournament? <clears throat> Honest uh, the Lakers have a lot more time than the Democrats have. I mean, yeah. and just practically, there's that word again. Just in the timeline, that I mean, keeping the House as we're taping this podcast, the election's about to be over. The Lakers have like December through April to make it. Like I, I would go, I would go Lakers on your proposition. I, I, uh, wow. Hmm. I think you have no faith I in think, the Lakers over a five month time frame to be able to get it together to just make the play in. You have none, I think, huh? I think Charlie Christ has a better chance of winning by 20 tonight than the <laughs> Lakers do of getting to the play in tournament. Yeah. I, 
man, you have given up on the Lakers in November. There is it's a not long, too early. It's a it's long, it's early. they've got like 65 or 70 games still left, right? Oh, wow. That's a miserably high number, isn't it? Well, it is. Yeah. Uh, some teams are already eliminated in the NBA. Indeed. And Indeed. I could make a Charlie Chris joke right here, but I don't think there's any need. You're not going to be hearing about him uh, much longer. No, Charlie uh, Chris and Beto. Man, enough, enough <laughs> of Charlie Chris and Beto. I, I would say Stacey Abrams too, but you know she's not nearly as bad. I mean, at least she nearly won the, the first time. And you know Beto nearly won the first time too. But Charlie Chris, man, you know I um I'm familiar with Charlie Chris, of course. He used right, to be the you governor. were in you were in Florida. He was the governor for a while. He was a Republican for a while. Yeah. And then he made a catastrophic ego mistake of trying to be a senator. And the Republicans told him, yeah. mm -mm. and then yeah. and then there's what happened. And, and by the way, uh, I'm here in the Tampa Bay area. He's been a congressman for St. Petersburg in the United States Congress over the last couple of terms, obviously resigned his Congress seat to run for governor uh, in this state. And the elections are going on all over the place. We'll see what ends up happening from. New York to California, from Washington to Florida, the middle of the country, Texas, Illinois, where you are, John, and everywhere else. And yeah. and can I just say this as we depart? I I totally understand that you want to figure out what happened, but it gets more and more dubious if we're beyond tonight into Wednesday and into Thursday. It's 2022 with electronic voting machines. Get it counted. Get it because automatically you open up everything when you're taking a day and and I, i'll bring this perspective mm -hmm. in the in the 1960s and 70s with hand ballots not electronic ballots they would have it counted by the next day just as a reference point i say again hand ballots counted mm -hmm. by hand with enough volunteers you could say about hey there's much more population now but if they could get it done without electronics within the next day, get it counted. It doesn't well, need to I drag will, on to December, my friend. It I, doesn't need to I, drag on to 2023. I will say uh, I believe that there were efforts to try to speed up the count in places like Pennsylvania and legislatures kind of said, no, you can't you know, do it this way or that way. So, you know, look, I mean, when it comes down to it. Uh, you know, I'm just, I'm checking out of that whole thing. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I mean, I don't know, man. But could you imagine in sporting events and cricket is this way where it takes three days, yeah. but can you imagine in our sporting events that we don't have a winner tonight, get back to us on Saturday? Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> well, you know, I mean, we want look, a winner uh, while we're there and while we're watching, yeah, we want it to be that's done. True. We want it to be done. I think we're done here on the yeah. podcast. I will have some strudel in your honor. We began talking pinto beans. We finish up with some German food. Anything else, John Lewis? No, I think we're good. Uh, you know, uh, enjoy uh, Germany. I've not experienced any German culture myself. Uh, I think my exposure to German culture is uh, Dirk and Steffi Groff and uh, Klaus <laughs> from American Dad, the fish. There we go. There we go. by the great D. Bradley Baker. D. Bradley well, Baker is a great voice actor. I love that. That's great references on that. I will let you know how it goes. I go Uwe Blob uh, from back in the 80s uh, and the but German you know, national team. And, the irony uh, is I was, I was taught German in, in school. So I know Guten Morgen and Guten Tag. And, uh, but apparently not much more. You didn't, yeah. you didn't fire off a sentence there no. in German. And that's no, okay. Just, uh, I'm not Guten marking Morgan. you off. I'm not, I'm not marking you off for that. 
On that note, I think we are good. John, thank you. We'll see what happens later this week. God willing, I'm back with you after going transcontinental, transatlantic to Europe for the Buccaneers and the Seattle Seahawks Sunday morning from Germany. I'll report back on all of this uh, on next week's show. Thank you, John Lewis. All right. Thank you. And we thank you for being with us on the latest edition of the SportsMediaWatch.com podcast. Ah, spring. Nothing like the world progressing towards summer to inspire your own progress. That's what life's all about. In your career, relationships, and your finances. Let's talk about that last one. With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, it's easy to start building credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments with no annual fees or interest. So your weekly grocery run can feel even more productive. And that morning coffee can taste like a little victory. And if your credit scores grow, so could your opportunities to get lower rates on loans, like for a new ride or finally having a home to call your own. Sounds like progress, right? With Chime's Secure Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at chime.com build. That's chime.com build. Chime feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to chime.com disclosures for details. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.